0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. Whenever you watch a courtroom trial, whether it is on TV or in the movies, there's usually a search for that piece of evidence that proves the purpose for which you are going for while at the same time overcoming every opposition along the way. Certainly you can find such an evidence, such a witness in an eyewitness testimony that literally speaks for itself. But a witness doesn't need to be speaking to do this. Sometimes it can be something like the silent smoking gun. Or perhaps it can be the set of circumstantial evidence that just speaks for itself. Like you may remember from the movie, My Cousin Vinny and the combination of the skid marks, and the obstructed view, and the magic grits to show that the defense's case was unassailable. If you have the right witness, you can overcome any opposition to accomplish your purpose. In many ways, the words we have before us this morning from John chapter 20 are just such a witness In fact, these words are God's written witness for you and for me for the purpose that we hear about in our closing verse where it says that these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. As we review what happened in that locked room on the first Easter evening, in the following week with Doubting Thomas, See how this written witness overcomes our doubting minds so that we may believe that Jesus is indeed the risen Christ and also how this written witness overcomes the hesitancy in our hearts so that we may publicly share the life that we have in Christ. We first come across the disciples on that Easter evening And when Jesus first appeared in their midst, they initially doubted if it was truly Jesus who was there with them. But once Jesus showed them the witness of his nail-marked hands and spear-pierced side, he overcame their doubts. And they rejoiced with believing hearts because Jesus, the risen Christ, was in their midst. Now for some reason, Thomas wasn't with them on that Easter evening. So when the disciples told him about what he missed out on and who he missed seeing, he did not believe the good news. Rather, he doubted that it could be the risen Christ. And he would remain in that doubt unless he could physically examine those nail-marked hands and that spear-pierced side. If then and only then he could do that, he would believe in the risen Christ. Was Thomas out of line to demand such proof before he would believe an impossible truth? We might initially cast blame on Thomas for demanding such things of God, but in many ways, he was just being logical. It's logical that we initially doubt something that's unlikely to be true, and we demand proof of it before we will believe it to be true. It's probably safe to say that everyone here this morning is praying for peace in Ukraine and to have it come by a peaceful way. Would you believe me if I were to say that as of this morning that peace was in Ukraine because Russia decided to just up and pack their bags and go on home and did not ask for anything in return? You probably wouldn't believe me. You would doubt me, because that is a very unlikely claim, and you would not believe me until you saw the headline saying what I was saying was true. As far as I know, that hasn't happened. That is not the case that I'm saying on this morning. But we doubt which is impossible until you learn it to be true. You think about your Easter celebration just one week ago. Did you find doubt creeping its way into your mind? Considering that the very joy that we have as Christians, the very reason for the season that we have, is all based on the impossible truth of somebody coming back to life. Have you echoed Thomas's demand to physically examine those nail marked hands and spear pierced sides so you can put those doubts to rest? And you know well as I do that when our doubts go unanswered, they don't go away. No, they they fester, they loom ever larger, and they can play such havoc with our faith. How does God answer our doubts? He answers by giving us the witness that overcomes them. For Thomas and disciples, that witness was those nail-marked hands and spear-pierced side. Now, you and I, we don't have Jesus physically standing in our midst to prove that he has truly risen from the dead. But we do have his written witness, which is just as good as seeing himself. You see, these words that we have from John were written by someone who was an eyewitness to the events, whose character was indeed credible. As he wrote these words, he's carried along by the Holy Spirit's verbal inspiration to record God's actual word. And since writing them, scholars across the entire religious spectrum have examined and vetted them to conclude that the words that we have in our Bible today is indeed what was originally written down. Let there be no doubt in your mind about what these words say happened on Easter Sunday. As Jesus rising from the dead. But these words are for more than just to tell us what happened. It's for the purpose that they're given, so that we may believe that Jesus is the risen Christ. Once Thomas had his doubts cast aside, he made his confession of faith in Jesus by calling him, my Lord and my God. And it's in these verses we learn who to believe in. It's Jesus, who rose from the dead, just as these words say. That he is the Christ, the promised Savior that sinners have been waiting for since the Garden of Eden. He is the Son of God who is right to be called both God and Lord by people of everywhere because of who Jesus is And by the work of the Holy Spirit, through these very words, you and I have that faith so that we may believe, just as Thomas and disciples did, to call Jesus my God, my Lord, my risen Christ, without a trace of doubt in our mind. It's from this belief of who Jesus is as the risen Christ that we see the second reason why these words are given. To overcome the hesitancy in our hearts with the the blessed and peaceful life that we have through faith in Jesus as the risen Christ. You see, when a Christian comes to faith in Jesus, they receive the victorious blessings that Jesus won for them with his death from the grave. And the way that John describes these blessings is as the life that we now have. What is this life all about? Well, for one, it means that we are alive. Instead of being dead in our sins, and we have the promise of eternal life waiting for us in heaven. But it's also a life of peace. When Jesus greeted Thomas and the disciples by saying, peace be with you, he wouldn't simply fall in the custom of his time when you said hello. But is giving the peace that every repentant Christian has that comes through the forgiveness of sins. And that includes you and me too. Our sins of doubt, of hesitancy, and everything else have been so far removed from us that we are now at peace with God himself. When Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, not only was he referring to those who have come to faith without seeing the physical Christ, but the full measure of blessings that every Christian has. Blessings beyond our account and beyond what we will mention this morning. But one blessing that Jesus does not guarantee is immunity. Immunity to our hesitant hearts to share this wonderful message. As we hear Jesus say to the disciples that he gave them the Holy Spirit and he sent them out into the world just as He was sent by the Father to share the message of sins forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. And yet, they suffer from the hesitancy. On the first Easter evening when they met together, they were in a room that was locked for fear of the Jews. And we understand why they did that. After all, if the Jewish leaders had orchestrated Jesus' death just three days earlier, what would stop them from doing the same with his followers? But what happened the following week when Thomas was in their midst, after seeing and believing in the risen Christ? Those doors were locked again for fear of the Jews. It's in this we see the hesitancy that those early Christians had to publicly share the life that they have in Christ. Hesitancy that ultimately came from a a less than complete trust in God's promise of protection. In what ways have you also been hesitant to share the news of the risen Christ with others around you? Thinking back just to last week's Easter celebration, were there people that you left off of your He is risen group text because you didn't want to know how they would respond to you, or did you perhaps stress the the secular reasons why you were so happy at Easter time? Because you didn't want to stand out as that religious person. You see, the blessed and peaceful life that we have through faith in Jesus is is nothing to be hesitant to share. Because for one, it can't be taken away from us by anyone here in this world. Rather, it's given to us by God through faith. And what is there to be hesitant about in the first place? Shouldn't we publicly thank Jesus for the life that we have now and forevermore? Shouldn't we gladly share with others the peace that we have through repentance and forgiveness? Shouldn't we have joy Because all the blessings God has given to us, even in the midst of our hardships and fears, of course we should. And as this written witness tells us, these are all ours simply through faith in Jesus as the risen Christ. And it is this blessed and peaceful life that we now have that overcomes the hesitancy in our hearts so that we may go out and share with all The one who rose on Easter Sunday and the promises and blessings that he has ready to give to those who believe in him as their Savior. It's that witness that proves your purpose while accomplishing and overcoming all opposition. That's what you look for in a courtroom trial and that's what we have before us this morning in our our verses from John. It is God's written witness for you and for me, for the twofold purpose that we believe that Jesus is the risen Christ, and that by believing in him, we have the life he gives of peace and blessedness. Whenever you find doubt attacking your mind of what happened on Easter or who Jesus truly is, look back to these inspired and vetted words to know the truth that Jesus is your Lord your God, your risen Christ. Yes, it may be an impossible truth, but this is what truly happened just as these words describe because of God's miraculous power to secure your salvation. When you find hesitancy in your heart to share the wonderful Easter news, also go back to these words. Take heart in knowing that the disciples too struggled to share the risen one, with all people. But also remember that you have nothing to be ashamed of or hesitant about. For Jesus rose from the dead so that all may believe in him and have the life that he gives through faith in him. And you and I have the privilege and the pleasure to share with all the wonderful Easter news that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.